This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, we are joined by Shatina Guadalupe. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, consultant, and the owner-creator of Always Live Lovely. She is going to be sharing with us and talking through some of the reasons that Black birthing people and mothers might experience trauma in the healthcare system and how that impacts going into birth even into pregnancy, but into birth and in the postpartum. She also touches a bit on her own experience. As you know, on this podcast, we do talk about really difficult things and situations and life experiences. And one of the things that Shatina touches on in the beginning of our conversation is really the complexity of emotional experience, that while some people might be experiencing sadness or fear, um, anger, that they might also be experiencing mixed in there relief and happiness and gratitude and many other things. So I really love that she points out and makes a note of the emotional complexity that people experience specifically as it relates to trauma related to pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and specifically for black birthing people and women. In Shatina's work, she provides support through individual therapy, couples therapy, music, a podcast, and speaking engagements. She is really passionate about breaking the stigma and equipping people with tools for deeper understanding that leads ultimately to their healing. So let's meet Shatina. Welcome, Shatina. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love that you are also a podcaster and you're doing this work in the therapy world and you have a deep understanding of uh, how things could be better. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's just put it that way. So yeah, I'm happy to hear from you and get into our chat today. I would love for you to just say a little bit more about the work that you do and Mm -hmm. 
we'll go from there. Yeah, so hello, lovely people, um, lovely mm-hmm. listeners. My name is Shatina Guadalupe. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist out of the Bay Area, California. Mm-hmm. I run a virtual therapy practice for residents all over California, um, specializing in working specifically with individuals who experience stress or depression, anxiety due to life adjustment and changes, childhood trauma, as well as difficult relationships. I also really like to work with couples because some of my more recent big life experiences of becoming a wife and a mom, I found it important to work with couples who are newly engaged, newly Mm -hmm. married, or new Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. in order to make sure that, you know, they have the space to figure out how to keep intimacy and togetherness going and keeping, you know, the family unit strong and having better communication with each other. Um, So I primarily work with adults, although my background has a whole track list of children work. (laughs) When I got into the young adult world with um, university students and then more work with adults, I was like, I really actually like this too. And I found out that there were so many experiences of the inner child that needed work. And that I found really profound. And I was like, okay, I can apply this childhood experience to adults and help their inner child have a voice. So I really have enjoyed doing that. My practice is fairly new, so it's still accepting clients because it just opened this past October, but it's mighty and it's growing. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, Outside of that, I do have a podcast. As mentioned, it's called Breaking Barriers, a mental health discussion. And I started it to be a space for people to talk about topics that are taboo or have stigma that they don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about, Mm -hmm. maybe even with the people closest to them. So I've arranged talking about a variety of topics from like people living on section eight people dealing with grief specifically men because sometimes that's hard for Mm -hmm. men to be able Mm -hmm. to talk Mm -hmm. about i've had conversations about marriages that are polyamorous like this season i've definitely had episodes talking about my upcoming one is going to be raising kids in the lgbtq plus community i'm also going to be hopefully sharing a little bit of my story especially like I had a doula, so work with my doula. I have an episode with her. I have an episode on becoming a father coming out because nice. um, giving my husband some light because those parent those experiences <laughs> between a partner and their person can be vastly different for how uh, you're in the room with delivery and labor. <laughs> so I wanted my husband uh-huh. to be able to have the space to share his story and my own. That's and it's cool. just been a plethora of things that I've been able to talk about. And anytime I get inspired, I like to bring it on the platform. And mm. it's on all podcasts on um, platform, including YouTube as well. So that's a little bit about the work that I do. I don't think I'm missing any, any <laughs> highlights, but I can say I do have special interest in like black psychology, perinatal, mental health, and being able to do dream work because I found mm. a lot of people experience like the trauma comes up in their dreams. Being able yeah, to process, sure. you know, what for we sure. process in our waking life, we process it in our dreams. So mm-hmm. doing more work around dream work, somatic work mm-hmm. for people to feel more attached to their bodies, as well as just a couple of other, like, you know, decolonizing therapy. I always try to make sure that I'm doing something that's making my therapy practice in a way that I feel it should be and trying to mm-hmm. fill in the gaps in the world. So that's just a couple of things that I specialize in, but if y'all want to know more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And specifically today, you are going to be talking about um, Black birthing people and mm-hmm. experiences in the healthcare system and- right with birth in particular as well. And can you, I guess, kind of start us off with the things that you are seeing and hearing and uh, about people's experience and why you want to talk about this today? 
So I definitely feel like, of course, I've been, my, my son just turned one at the beginning mm-hmm. of May, and I've been married for about a year and a half. So we had a lot of big experiences, life happening at the same mm-hmm. time. And it's kind of one of those experiences where it's like, you hear all this stuff about an experience, but then when you experience, it just hits you on a more deeper, profound level. Yeah. So I know when it comes to the Black body experience of getting pregnant, going through the process, Mm -hmm. labor and delivery. Of course, a lot of what we tend to hear is there's a high maternal Black person body death rate. And then so a lot of people that I come into contact with, or there's even like documentaries on Netflix as well, but a lot of people that I come into contact with, like that's a top fear because Mm -hmm. we've heard it so much. It's like we automatically, our number one goal is, I want to do this, but I don't want to die. And then so I know even with me coming to the the situation, I was like, what are all the things that I could do that could make sure that I hopefully don't die, which is why I ended up getting a doula and trying to figure out who is most important in the room and trying to figure out like, you know, trying to get the right doctors. I tried to get the right uh, midwives. I tried to get I tried to do everything I possibly could because I was like, I want all three of us to come home together and healthy and without any bruises or mistreatment as much as I could. And of course, unfortunately, we can have all the plans in the world. Mm. Things can go great. Mm -hmm. And then there can be parts of it that's like, wow, I planned so much and still none of it took effect or everything Mm. went out the window or harm Mm -hmm. was still done from the very beginning. And I think because of just knowing the history of Black people and just our experience with the medical system and never really having from the very beginning consent to a lot of the things that we experience, being experiments, even when it came into the gynecology world, a lot of that was experienced on Black bodies Mm -hmm. and with people that were enslaved and didn't have consent. There was no painkillers back there. So it didn't have consent to experience all that was happening and going on to their bodies so when we think back on this stuff it just creates a whole world of of fear and then so going into my own experience i've had the opportunity to replay my narrative a bunch of times and Mm. i know how important it is for people to own their narrative and i went through the wave of so many different changes of how i felt about it from being empowered to feeling really saddened and scared to being upset to being mad and you know everyone that was like a part of you know the medical team to then being just very grateful and then just loving and so Mm -hmm. it's been all over the place and I feel like that's like a typical experience because I really had to make sure I moved the energy of what Mm -hmm. different things were holding to put it Mm -hmm. in more of like a healing space but like I said getting to the end of it and realizing and thinking back on different ways where I advocated or I said things and they still weren't quite met and then having my own doula say wow like I had my client who was a white client at the same hospital as you within less than two weeks and their experience was dramatically different than what yours was that broke my heart Ugh. one, um, yeah, but it was profound. Sickening. Yes, mm-hmm. it was sickening. It was profound. And it really made me think like, well, Shatina, how can you help people in whatever way they, that you can fill mm-hmm. the gaps? Because people need healing. People need to know how to advocate for themselves. People need to have a better understanding. Because I'm like, I advocated for myself. But even at a point in my own birth story, it didn't matter until I told people I was a licensed marriage and family therapist. And it shouldn't have took that for people to listen no. to me. No. I so I know everybody doesn't have, can't say that. And then, so it's like for the people that doesn't have something to be like, well, let me smack you in the face with this. So you'll listen. To <laughs> it's like, man, like, <laughs> 
I want to be able to help people in some way, shape or form, which is why I started adding the services to my virtual therapy practice as well, because I was just like, wow, like I'm looking for all these things, looking for all these helps. And, you know, there isn't even things that I feel like I am receiving (laughs) help with on the back end either. So that gives a little bit of like, you know, what inspired me. Right. And that, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot in your experience that, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to hear mm-hmm. all of it today mm-hmm. because, right, it's so, it can be so complex. There's so many parts, but I really do appreciate so much how you have touched on the complexity of it that you can have more than, you know, one feeling at a time. And there sounds like they were just kind of cycling through as you were experiencing them. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, just so real. Right. So real. I, I believe a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. Uh, as well. I 100% agree. And I definitely feel like I'm noticing just among different people, because I've talked to so many mothers, of course, at this point, even in mm-hmm. processing my own labor and delivery. And I've even just noticed the difference in where people sit with things of how long their labor and delivery was mm-hmm. so like there are some people that I talk to that are black and it is healing and they're like I had the most amazing experience and it could be in the same ho- chain of hospitals that I was in but they had an amazing one mm-hmm. and their experience was much more like I feel like I was robbed of my experience because it happened so quick and mm-hmm. I didn't I don't feel like I felt all the pains and all of this and all of that yeah. and then you have someone like me that has to be induced and labored for three days and was in the mm-hmm. hospital for a week and that made it prone to so many different people coming in and out of the room for people sure. not being able to keep up with mm, what the plan mm, was like mm. people not know what the plan was at all so it's so it was so interesting to me to sit back and reflect on like wow somebody that was quick had their team and so everybody knew probably what to do and everybody was up to speed whereas some people it kind of gets lost and i can only imagine when COVID was happening and there was only the burning person in the room yeah. so yeah. much gets lost yeah that really messed up a lot of stuff Mm-hmm. for sure. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. 
And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You touched on a little bit already the a bit of the trauma of, of the experience and also the system, the right. healthcare system, I guess, at large, having its own inconsistencies, but very specifically um, treating Black and brown people differently. Mm-hmm. It's sort of uh, like, you know, the perspective that your doula gave you, you know, is both incredibly sad and difficult to hear, but I imagine also really validating in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lets me know I wasn't making it up in, in my mind. And, you know, my husband is, is also, you know, a brown person. He's an Islander, Japanese and Filipino. And even his experience in seeing how he was being treated was different than what she saw of a white father. Mm-hmm. And just the respect that wasn't there. Some people had respect and then some people were just totally disregarding him as if he wasn't a part of the experience as well. Oh. So it gets really, really, really tricky in that way. And there's just so much that people of color hold in trying to figure out how to navigate and advocate for yourself when you're in a room full of different professionals. And I feel like that's very historically, you're told to not question the professional or not question leader or not do X, Y, and Z, or you could be reprimanded. And of course, Mm -hmm. nobody wants to be reprimanded when your life is on the line or feel like somebody's going to give me not the most tentative love and care because maybe they get in their feelings or they're upset because I said something to them. It's like a fear of walking like this thin line of eggshells of like, should Mm -hmm. I say something? Should I not say something? Or not even properly knowing all the terms, not knowing exactly what people are whispering about. And, you know, lucky for me, I'm such a, you know, I'm such a nerd and wanting to know. I've read, listened to books, listened to podcasts, everything. And I didn't get through all of the um, educational classes that the hospital where I birthed at had. Um, and my doula wasn't able to get me all the information I needed either. So some of it came from just previously when I had heard certain terms. So when nurses or doctors were whispering, mm. I knew like, well, wait a minute. Can y'all tell me too? Because I know what that means. I know exactly what that means. So I need you to explain to me instead of just talking around me about what is going on. But if you're not informed, and a lot of the time people are not informed, you don't really know how to speak up about those things or even figuring out how can you become informed so that you know to speak up about mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did, did you find that, you know, having a doula, how was having a doula supportive in the process and even in helping you maybe feel empowered if that was part of it? Mm-hmm. We were very intentional about who we wanted in the birthing room because of the fear mm-hmm. of, I don't want anyone doing anything of what I've heard could happen in this room. And I know I'm going to be out of it. I'm trying to push a little small human out of me. <laughs> I mean, I know my husband's going to be like, whoa, she's trying to push a small human out of her. <laughs> We wanted to make sure that we had someone that would have like the education, even more so than the personal experience, but the education to know when things are wrong. And that's where a doula comes in different than maybe like your family members or your friends, Mm -hmm. because our family members or friends are going off of like, you know, their own personal experience and what they see. But the doula comes in with information and, you know, kind of uh, emotion, being able to handle it a little bit better. Um, What is your family member? They're going to get them. It's you. They don't want certain Mm -hmm. things happening to you. They cannot come across and land in the the way that you may have hoped. So it was helpful to have our doula there in the sense of, one, it was another pair of eyes in the room. 
of course. They knew my plan, but of course, it even got tricky, unfortunately, for the doula. And I've processed um, with uh, my doula as well because we're great friends at this point. But it got interesting for them as well because I think at a certain point, they also felt like, okay, when should I say something? Because I had a Black doula. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, when should I say something? What is appropriate for me to say? Because mm-hmm. I already don't get that much respect. Like a lot of doodles don't get respect in I, the birthing room. I know. I, I've heard that and I've experienced that in some ways with mm-hmm. my own doula as well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. And so, so upsetting. It gets tricky. Yeah. It gets mm-hmm. tricky because maybe there was moments where I was like, dang, I wish they would have said something or mm-hmm. dang. But then I was like, wow, they were having an experience all in themselves because of all the things that were actually happening and people not already listening. And then, but it was helpful just to know we were all in this together. Mm-hmm. And I knew that at the end of the day, cause I started getting afraid before my birth happened because I was being induced because I wasn't going to have any of the original team that I wanted. And I had to like, tell myself like, you know, Shatina more than anything, your doula and your husband know what you want. So if all else fails, look to them. They got you. Mm-hmm. They know you. They mm-hmm. got you. This should give you some type of peace. And then just being able to have my doula be that stand-in person because lots of stories you hear people saying, oh, I was updating my family. Oh, I was doing this. Oh, I was doing that. We already said, I can't focus on it. But can <laughs> you do this This thread? Yeah, yeah. you thread of everybody. Let them know when you're going to update them. And that was the most profound thing we mm-hmm. could have requested in the beginning because we really needed to focus and pay attention on the matter that was at hand rather yeah. than trying to juggle what everybody else had going on as well and their emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. But she did phenomenal with that. And then even being able to, if there was moments where I was like, hey, this doctor was disrespectful or hey, like I need to go back and talk to this person because lots of times, and this is a conversation I had, lots of times the doctors get desensitized. Oh, they right. forget that although you have a floor, it was a full floor, a full floor. Although you have a floor of people that you're going to see, these are all brand new people. You don't know if it's their first child, if it's their mm-hmm. third child. You don't know if they lost a baby before this child. Uh, right, exactly. You can't enter in the room just in like this monotone, this is what it is and this is what it is. You cannot do You can't do it. Oh, but and they so, do. And they do. <laughs> they right, do. Right, right. And so I definitely had to have a moment where I was like, hey, the nurse was on par with it because I happened to have a black nurse at that moment. I'm like, you need to go and get that Go and get the doctor. So the doula went and talked to them on the side. Was like, she needs this because okay. she's upset. This is how she's feeling. This wasn't right. And I brought the doctor oh, back nice. in. It wasn't pretty for her. She was very upset. Her emotions were in the way. She was trying to overtalk me, which is why I had to wave the I'm a therapist flag to get her to be like, oh, okay, maybe she does know what she's talking about. But her approach was like, hey, I needed to have compassion for her because she goes around and she's talking to a million different families at different points. And I'm like, you're missing it. You need to have compassion for me. This is my first child. Mm-hmm. So although you, you're going to birth a lot of different babies, I'm going to remember this. This mm-hmm. is my first introduction. And in the back mm-hmm. of my mind, I'm still thinking, I just don't want to die. Like, that's where my mind is. Yeah, I keep, I keep thinking about that too. I mean, yeah, when you had started off, uh, is speaking to how a lot of black and brown families are hearing these terrifying statistics mm-hmm. and hearing how you know, people are being mistreated in the in the mm-hmm. birthing space. How does that not impact you? Yeah, exactly. While you're in that environment specifically. Exactly. I mean, I know you're like, you're being really intentional trying to push that out of your mind, but it's there. Yeah. And it takes, I feel like it takes a certain level of 
like a separation of yourself, I went into a warrior mode, a mode I, a mode I didn't even know existed within myself. Nice. Not only was I fear of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But it was like, birthing itself is scary. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. You don't need all this extra stuff. <laughs> right. right what right. you've seen and whether it's a cartoon or a movie or whatever, <laughs> they're like, oh my God. So you're already dealing with, I don't know yeah. what this is actually going to feel like on top of everything else that you've heard. And I think for me, like dropping into like, my son and my life is depending on me. I have to be able to push through and speak up even when I'm loopy. I have to mm. make vocalize when something's uncomfortable. I have to ask questions even if I don't understand it, it doesn't make sense. And I have to have this level of like strength that just came out of nowhere in order to be mm. able to push us through because mm. I know big decisions have to be made at certain points and I needed just to have this level of strength even for my little, my little baby. I just really felt like he's counting on me. So mm. Shatina, you've got to gather your bits and do this so it's like my brain kind of like and i'm a person that has anxiety i didn't it was the first time i didn't feel no anxiety at a certain point mm-hmm. i didn't feel like too overwhelmed i knew okay we know all the possibilities mm-hmm. but when my mind just zoned in and focused on right that, yeah it was profound right yeah mm-hmm. you're just there you have a singular a purpose mm-hmm. um, and there's no doubt in there about that right that's yeah that is really powerful So you started talking about ways that you were advocating for yourself. And I I think there's so much value in what you're describing. And to your point, a lot of people kind of don't either know that they can do that or it's hard to do that, even if they want to. So uh, what are ways that people can advocate for themselves uh, through the whole process from, you know, from wherever they are on the kind of reproductive journey, so to speak? I would definitely say know yourself. Know yourself is one of the most important things in regards to if you don't already or you haven't been to therapy, I'm always going to recommend a little bit of therapy. In yes, there, yes. I'll double down able, on that. <laughs> be able to understand like what your triggers are because mm-hmm. some people may not even realize that they have a lot of triggers in the medical room, whether it's for sensory right. purposes, whether mm-hmm. it's for talking to somebody that you feel like is in a power position, whether yes. it's from trauma, honestly, and not feeling like you've ever had power over your body. Like it could be a lot of different mm-hmm. things and it can send you into a trauma response. And then maybe you can go into spaces and have a game plan, but you're like, oh, it didn't quite turn out how I wanted to. And you're like, but why? I had all these questions and I couldn't bring them up. It's so important to be able to like know yourself. You can write it down, have a little list. You can carry a little card with you that like, you know, let your doctor know this makes me feel comfortable while I'm having a conversation with you. There are different things like that or have something like that's very, reminds you of a safe place or a safe space and like keep it in your hand or keep like a little soft object or something that helps you to be able to regulate yourself when you're going into these medical spaces. And knowing that you need to be able to speak up for yourself. I feel like trial and error. We're not going to always get things right the first time. And then so when you're having a conversation, if you're like, hey, it happened again. Like, I I still didn't say what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Give yourself the time to reflect. Journal about it. Talk to somebody that's a trusted person to figure out, okay, the next time I have an appointment, what are some points that I need to bring up? And like I said, it's always okay to write down. Doctors will make you feel rushed. Mm. And mom and I'm like, where you got to go? Because this is important. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh-huh. so it, don't let like the, it can bring anxiety up in people because uh-huh. you're like, I know I got 15 minutes and I know this. And sometimes they can come in just right. very stoic and just like, all right, this is okay. And what's the next question? Mm-hmm. But it's okay to try to slow it down and know that if you don't ask all the questions, send them an email. You have a space. There's no, there's no questions that don't matter because like I said, for people 
whether it's your first or your fifth experience, this is still your life and your experience. So it's important that you try to get the most out of it that you can and that you feel comfortable. And I definitely feel like, you know, I went into it with a burning plan. And there's a book that I, it slipped my mind to even write it down. I'm going to probably send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. There is this book that I've been listening to after it and changed my whole concept of like a plan and kind of mm-hmm. like how that can also be misleading and making mm-hmm. us go into there like A, B, and C is going to happen. It must happen because when that doesn't happen, then what do I do? And in my situation, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like... Right. Well, then what do I do? And then so being able to understand don't have this concrete plan is important because you can go in advocating in that way. And then it kind of can set you up sometimes because if it doesn't happen that way and then you weren't able to have flexible thinking of well, what to do if this falls through, that can leave you pretty, leave you pretty traumatized as well. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like have options, go in having options of what it, what it could be and what would make you feel comfortable and focusing more on the comfort of it and feeling safe, feeling secure, rather mm-hmm. than tracking down this exact plan for mm-hmm. things to go how you want them to go. Mm-hmm. And then like I kind of mentioned before, if you need to call somebody back in there to express something to them, do it. For me, the response was, but I already had talked to you. My response to that was, I am under a lot of medication because I'm being induced. I'm not even fully here right now. I had some time to reflect. So now I know exactly what I want to say and what I need. So I need you to come in here and I need you to create the space to listen to me because this is important to me. And then no matter how the person may have felt, they eventually were able to hear where I was coming from, what they did wrong. They didn't really come too much back in the room, but they understood, (laughs) okay, she means business and she's not going to just let any old thing happen to her or anybody talking, say whatever to her. So know that it's okay to bring people back in the room because that's what I mean by sometimes they're desensitized and we have to remind Mm -hmm. them, but I'm not. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I need you to be able to treat this as if it's your first time ever, ever birthing a baby. And first time walking in and have that same excitement and curiosity and holding the space in a gentle way. And if someone gives you flack, it takes a lot to stand up for yourself. Yeah, and it if does. it doesn't quite, you can I always say you can, you can stand up for yourself when your voice is tripling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're still standing up for yourself. Right. So really being able to try and like push through in those moments. And if you can have a trusted person there for when you're like, I just don't have the gumption. Mm-hmm. Them being able to help kind of speak up for you on your behalf and be that support person. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. 
Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. You kind of did as uh, almost a sign, it sounds like, in a way, your, your husband and your doula, that if you weren't in the place to communicate the way you wanted or needed mm-hmm. for them to sort of like serve as proxy and state what your needs are, which is really powerful, too, because then it's mm-hmm. not all on your shoulders. Obviously, like you want to, and people in general want to be able to say what they need to say, but just to have that comfort that you know you can rely on somebody that you trust and you know has your back, that is really powerful yeah and honestly i mean there are some things because i'm really big on owning your your narrative and like i've told y'all i went through all of the roller coaster emotions that could possibly happen and then also just putting in a space of just being very grateful because i came out alive i came out with you know uh not having to have a c-section i came out with a healthy baby boy even though he was only four pounds ten ounces came out crying and screaming at the world and latching on and just ready for fight. Like he came out completely fine and I didn't have any complications with laboring. It was just all that it took to get to that point. And there were times where we, we really missed and dropped the ball and in being able to advocate in the moment because of so much going on. And when that actually happens, I think that it's okay to know you also have options then too. Like, you know, sometime hospital, most time hospitals, I hope, allow you to send feedback in. I didn't do it because that's still my work to do. So I was like, they're not going to listen. So I'm not about to keep wasting my time mm-hmm. dipping into this because they're mm-hmm. they, no. <laughs> right. But it's still to a certain extent what people tried to tell me was it still matters to write it because you just never know. And then so if you have feedback to give, always give, you know, the feedback you need to. If it is people that birthed with you and they are people that, you know, you can write or send a message to or it was like your midwife or your gynecologist mm-hmm. or I mean, OBGYN. Mm-hmm. Have a conversation with them because there's healing in those conversations as well. I like um, afterwards. And, yeah, afterwards. Like during too, but yeah. To keep, yeah, you have mm-hmm. to keep seeing these people. So it's like have mm-hmm. a conversation with them. And then, you know, sometimes when the ball is really dropped and you're just like, this was just very unfortunate, that's where grace comes in. And trying to just remind yourself like, hey, like, man, despite my experience, let me still just try to give people grace. Like, that's literally the saving grace. No pun intended. Mm, mm. Give them grace because maybe it's just was too much happening in the moment and they all, the ball was just meant to be dropped. And something you just can't have an answer or have understanding for. And so anytime that I've had a gap, because there did come a point where my doula couldn't be my doula. Mm. For a lot of Black people, we want the doula to be there to see what's going on. She couldn't see it because she had to do, she had to, they had her holding my leg, counting me in, doing some of the things that they were supposed to be doing because there were so many people pushing out babies at the same time. They were running all over the place. Mm. So my doula was guiding and she wasn't supposed to be doing that. She was guiding most of my birthing experience. And then so she couldn't even really look and see what my intentional plan was to make sure everything was going on because she's over here making sure that I'm counted down in between when there's nobody in the room with me. And making sure we're trying to understand what the screen is saying and we don't even know what it's saying. 
So it got really, really difficult. And that was like, a, well, this is really unfortunate. There's nothing we could have did about it. But just be happy that we all came out completely fine and it was safe. So I had to just say like, hey, give grace and get healing around like the grace of like all the things that were happening and just being less fortunate of <laughs> how it turned mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And then being like, okay, I know I want another one. So for next time, what can I do to try and vocalize some more important points that I heard? Or if I have someone I know that's trusted and loved, they're going through it. These are some things I can share with them because that's mm-hmm. healing in itself for you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, that um, can also be really powerful because it's like taking the, the emotional turmoil of what happened kind of off of your shoulders a bit. I think what's important too, is you're not saying forget about it. You're not saying pretend like it never happened. You're not like denying your own experience, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like a both and like this Mm -hmm. stuff happened. Exactly. And I can also create a little bit of space to release, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. And you can create space to feel empowered. Because mm-hmm. you're making it through and you're probably doing yeah. things that you never imagined you would experience or go through mm-hmm. and have the strength that you probably didn't even have. And mm-hmm. that's something profound to stand on. Because no matter what, I know for sure that gives me power when I'm scared. <laughs> that gives me power that got right. me through postpartum anxiety and depression. That got me through so much of being like, yeah. dang, but you you were a warrior. Like, right. You- beast at this like, you <laughs> got a profound strength you didn't even know you had uh-huh. and so whenever right. I felt down on myself that's where the motivating affirmations mm. really can kick in to help you just start to try and reframe how things were so that you don't you know kick yourself when you're down because that could probably trigger postpartum depression as well well sure like all kinds of stuff like shame and mm-hmm. guilt and all those Hate. nasty mm-hmm. feelings and I think you're talking about too something that's important, like with, with empowerment in particular, is that you're saying, like in some ways, like overcoming or dealing with going through what could have potentially been a traumatizing experience. There's a way to ground yourself in your strength as well. Mm-hmm, 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 absolutely, and also no, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you can play music. Some people may know, but mm-hmm. some people may not. You can play music while you're in the labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. You can play anything while you're in there. And so I definitely had a playlist. And then when the going got tough, like, you know, I'm a person I believe in God. So I had everyone in there praying when it got to a certain point of, we don't know what we're going to do anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a moment to think about this. So I pray everything worked out beautifully, but helping have music was so helpful and grounding to me mm-hmm. because when so much sensory noise was going on when like you know they're saying your son is getting sleepy and the heart rate is looking a little weird like all these things and all these noises and just everything that could just be uncomfortable the hospital can already be uncomfortable for people mm-hmm. i was able to zone out and like listen to something mm-hmm. i listened to in my day-to-day life that brought me joy and that helped me like just fluff out some of the sounds listening to a trusted voice focusing on that voice that right. helped me to fluff out some of the noise metaphorically and physically speaking some of the noise that mm-hmm. was happening and so that's really you know important and then you know I don't know if we have time today but there's a whole part of just what professionals can do <laughs> well yeah sense. I was <laughs> I, I know that we can at least touch on it because right I mean there's sort of like the inside job so to speak of, right. of getting mm-hmm. our ourselves through the process but going back to where you started the system has some spots that could, you know, 
to be delicate. It could really use some improvement. Um, but what are things if like, let's say a provider is listening or, you know, somebody who's supporting a, a black person birthing, what they can do to help create a, a good experience or support a healthy experience? Yeah. I would say even starting with like Costa advocating for just people in general is knowing yourself. So understanding like your biases, your personal experiences, what you've heard and what you've seen thus far about the experience and trying to keep it in a place of it's not a one size fit all type of ordeal. So a lot of times people are in the field for, for years, it's still okay to go back and see it with brand new eyes. Like, because you might be able to mm. learn something new. You might get a new refreshed perspective instead of just saying, I already know what I'm doing. That's when you're entering into, into the point to where you're probably not doing the best that you do because you already know what you're doing. It come a dime a dozen. You deliver babies all day or you're working with birthing people all day. But it's like, you know, like I said, you have to keep that fresh pair of eyes because everyone's experience is different. New information is coming out all the time. So trying to stay on top of that. Um, being willing to listen even when you feel like you already know the answer or you already know what's going on or you're having your own emotional response. So mm -hmm. knowing yourself and knowing what to do when you're having an emotional response, mm -hmm. because maybe you feel like, how dare somebody like question what it is that I'm doing? I know what I'm doing or I'm just trying to help. And maybe they're yelling at you, like trying to figure out how to regulate yourself so that you still have that listening ear for yeah. what it is that a person is wanting and needing in that moment. Of course, training, being trauma informed, just because you read about trauma or you know about trauma doesn't make you trauma informed. So mm -hmm. being able to get the appropriate training, the appropriate trainings for being culturally informed and understanding if you work with a vast array of people is really important because my the birthing experience for black people is different than the birthing experience for Hispanic people. It's different from the birthing experience from the Asian population. It's different from the birthing experience from the white population. It's different all the way across the board. But the same commonality is we're birthing babies. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So remembering what's common, but also remembering the difference of backgrounds that people are holding. And even as I expressed earlier, you can be people that are in the same cultural population, but then you could have an amazing experience. So it doesn't mean, okay. again, that it's a one size fit all. So having capacity to try and like hold all of it and be able to find your way of what kind of provider do you want to be? What is the legacy you want to leave? What is the work that you want to do? What is the difference that you know that you truly can make? by understanding and knowing like yeah. all of this information. And then a big thing is, especially for working with um, black birthing bodies, believe them the first time. Mm. Believe them the first time. People should not have to reiterate the pain they're feeling. People should not have to retell somebody no. People should not have to just repeat themselves when they're in such a tender stage, whether it's pre or posts believe them the first time and work through that no matter what research says or what you think you may know they're the only one that's feeling that experience in their body so they're the expert at that moment so if you do that i feel like that changes the game in a mm. lot of ways and can save yeah. people a lot of grief Oof, that's a really great one yeah massive really one for us to to close on today i don't know there, there's obviously so much more to talk about and I know you're going to be talking about some of this on your own podcast mm -hmm. and your experience and, you know, work that you're doing, things that you want people to learn and know and understand. So that will be sure to have that as a resource as well. 
Yes, absolutely. Be on doula, becoming a father, becoming a mother, um, <laughs> and just being a person that has birthed, period, because that's where I get to, my, my podcast, I can go a little more in depth of what it is that actually happened if you're interested in the intricate um, details. So mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. what was shared today, though, was, was helpful because my experience really made me go into a bunch of training, talk to a bunch of people and try and figure out, which has been healing for me as well trying to figure out how to just consolidate okay. the process and make it better for people so that people can have more beautiful stories. And we don't keep having to say, I just don't want to die. Like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. you can be like, I'm just excited to meet my baby. Like that's my main right. focus. So. Right. Thank you so much for sharing parts of your story and advocating and, and sharing these like really, really important perspectives and understandings today. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. you being with us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This is a lovely platform. Continue doing what you're doing because people need it. Thanks, thanks. Same to you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Same same to you. You have amazing conversations that people need to hear and (laughs) so awesome. I'll send people your way. Thank you. You can find Shatina and connect with her on her website, alwayslivelovely.com. And on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and her podcast, Always Live Lovely. If you feel like this conversation with Shatina would benefit somebody that you know, please do share so that whoever is out there that might be suffering or might need to hear themselves reflected in her story and in the professional work that she's doing, it is totally worthwhile to send it along. And if you yourself are in the transition to parenthood or in the early postpartum, I've created a course specifically for new moms that is a guide on how to deal with the transition into parenthood, how to deal with the loss of sleep, how to notice if you might be dealing with any type of perinatal mental health condition and skills and tools that can help you right now today. It's an online on-demand course that is available as soon as you get to it. Very easy to listen to or watch wherever you are and you can pause and come back to it at any time. I've specifically built this for parents who are suffering or who might be suffering and can't quite get to therapy yet. There's so many people out there who are trying to get to a therapist and have a long wait time. So this is built for you. It is built for them. Please do go check that out at wellmindperinatal.com slash courses. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mom in Mind podcast. Until next time. Please find the Mom in Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mom and Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.